Hello, welcome to Episode Party, the podcast where we talk about our favourite podcasts. I'm Jack Tudor. I'm Freddie Harrison. And it's time for a special. And this time we're going to do a podcast called Forest 404. Freddie and I have listened to the whole thing and we're going to talk it through, see what we thought of it. Freddie, you put this podcast to me originally and said, Jack, check this out. So what were you playing at? Yeah, <laughs> that sounds that sounds like it's going to be terrible. Yeah, I don't no, think I should clarify it's not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I I was on holiday at the time, and I just saw um, I get uh, the Hot Pod newsletter, which is a really good newsletter about the podcasting industry. Um, a lot of it is kind of like kind of company level so um with the launch of like luminary and stuff like that when spotify got gimlet i got all that news from there first there's some really good um nick qua i think the the guy i yep. might be pronouncing them wrong he he writes it along with a couple of other people and and it's very insightful anyway uh forest 404 was kind of like mentioned in there and the premise of it sounded really really interesting so it's like a nine-part drama series um audio drama which tells like a narrative story um, set in the future. We'll go a bit more into the plot in a second. Sorry, we should also add that this is going to be a spoiler-heavy episode. So if you've not yet listened to Forest 404, I'd suggest going and doing that first. The other recommendation would obviously be, um, as you've pointed out from the very beginning, Jack, which is good because I nearly didn't do it, to listen to each part of it in order, which I'll I'll explain now. So as well as there being a nine-episode drama series each episode of the drama is accompanied by um, a talk usually by like a scientist or someone like that which is about a uh, real life subject that's related to the fictional episode you've just listened to and each episode also comes with a soundscape which again uh, quite often is related to something that's happening within the narrative so for each episode you kind of get like yeah, your your drama episode, your talk, and your soundscape, and then you get episode two with the drama um, with the talk and the soundscape, and episode three with a talk and a soundscape, and so on and so forth. There's nine of them. So if you haven't listened to Forest Four or Four already, it's worth doing that now. It originally came out on BBC Sounds, which again we'll get into later, and they were releasing it on BBC Sounds quicker than they were releasing it anywhere else, which is obviously deliberate. Um, but it's now on RSS feed, so if you just search Forest Four or Four in your podcast app, you'll get the whole feed but it's really important that you well ideally that you listen to it in order with each individual episode and it's a company and talk and soundscape yep in that order um so if you haven't done that already do that before you listen otherwise we're just going to spoil it for you or just listen to us and don't bother because then you've got like the cliff notes and you know then you can talk about it with your pals <laughs> um so yeah so i think i've explained the kind of structure of it and i i thought this was really really interesting the way that they were doing this they were clearly trying to experiment on the podcasting format um and it's really hard to experiment on the podcasting format because it's very much set in stone it's like when people release new email apps like email is like you know 
20, 30, 40 year old technology and it's so ingrained in the way it works, it's really hard to innovate on it. Like you can't do anything too clever with it because the underlying technology is ancient. So trying to build on top of it, you're always constrained by what lies underneath. And um, podcasting is the same, as I've said so many times on this show before. It's just an RSS feed effectively. And RSS feeds have been around forever. And again, they're really hard to innovate on. And people have tried, you know, some people have done like apps where you get interactive content as the podcast is playing out which you know and you know people are doing you know accompanying video podcasts and all the rest of it i don't think video podcasts have really kicked off in the same way that audio podcasts have no so i thought this was a really nice attempt at innovating on the podcast format so and yeah. doing something slightly different because what what i guess what we're going to do is a two-pronged thing today isn't it really is talk about the drama and and what we thought of the actual fictional aspect of mm. this podcast and what we made of it but also a, an appraisal of the format generally and whether it holds up and perhaps sets a precedent for a new way of going about doing podcasts or a, a fresh way to sort of inject a bit of creativity in the way that podcasts are are presented indeed and then when it comes to the content the content to me was also interesting a that it's a drama i don't listen to a lot of fictional podcasts um but the ones i have listened to have been really good so i thought oh this would be interesting b it's about our relationship with nature um jack and i both live like on the same street and behind us are loads and loads and loads of fields and i know both of us are into like going on walks not necessarily always together but you know we like going on walks enjoying that space so i feel like i've certainly started to pay more attention to my relationship with nature so again that was interesting thirdly soundscapes which if you know about jack's other work beyond this podcast you'll know that's right in his wheelhouse yeah. <laughs> um and and fourth um the score was by well the theme was by bonobo and i like bonobo so i thought actually this kind of falls well within our wheelhouse and especially your wheelhouse jack what what did you what were your like first impressions when you when i sent you that link and you would kind of had a look at it yeah i thought it was going to be definitely up my street uh i think anything with a soundscape element is going to be <laughs> my kind of vibe and it calls itself an eco thriller as well so immediately (laughs) i think i could draw the lines between how say a soundscape would certainly play into the eco side of that so a a soundscape i don't know if it's it's pretty much common terminology now isn't it but essentially it's like a, a audio capture of a particular environment that's kind of what we call a soundscape so i was really intrigued and again as we've said already quite a bit i think just the opportunity to explore someone trying to do something different with the podcast format and perhaps then like sort of change my relationship with it as a listener i thought was really intriguing so i was very keen to to dive in Indeed, yeah. I mean, I think that's the nice thing about this. There's a time and a place for traditional podcasts, but this certainly ain't your Mark Maron or your Tim Ferriss or your Joe Rogan. This is like an extremely different take on what podcasting can do. And like I said, there's a space for it all. But yeah, I think I don't think I've seen anything quite like this so far. Um, and I suppose what we'll get onto is later is about how it's um, how successful that experiment with the format's been um jack just to kick us off do you mind running through a little bit of 
the the plot basically of of the kind of narrative part of the um, the fictional narrative part the eco thriller that runs that kind of ties this whole thing together yes so just to repeat this is going to be spoiler heavy i'll try and touch on everything that i think is relevant for kind of understanding the conversation that we're about to have and if people have listened just to give them a nudge on what was touched upon because i listened back just recently and realized there's a lot of stuff that in memory i i, I kind of forgotten about so i think it's important to touch on all of this so we start by learning that there's a distinction between the fast times and the slow times and i think quite quickly we realize that we're at some point in the future and the Mm -hmm. fast times and the slow times are separated by something that's called the cataclysm we don't know early on really what any of this means we don't know what the cataclysm is we meet someone called pam who works Mm -hmm. in something called the heavy data department of something else called the convocation and we also meet daria her supervisor so we learn as well that due to the cataclysm whatever it is all the information from the slow times has gone so only the obsolete data sources remain so i'm going to presume stuff on physical media perhaps of some description And a lot of the audio that we can hear Pan trawling through in her job is stuff that seems to be from our times. We hear Barack Obama, we hear pop songs from the last 10 years. And Pan's job is to sort through all of this media and essentially delete anything that doesn't make any sense to her at all because data storage costs money and energy. Uh, She discovers an audio recording of a forest which seems to compel her. She doesn't really understand hmm. what it is. We we learn that because everything was wiped clean from the old times, there's this uh, sense of the unknown about the past. So she discovers this recording. It seems to pique her interest in some way. And she's keen to find out what it is. Her supervisor, Daria, then catches wind of the fact she's got this recording. And then that's when Pan starts to learn that there's something special about this recording. Because Daria's reaction is to work with her, I don't know, like superiors called the Convocation, who are these strange hybrid beings with no faces. She works with them to kind of chase Pan down and Pan ends up escaping. And then she's directed to meet someone called Thea after a bit of chasey and drama and all this business. Thea turns out to be a human being who lives in a car park in Birmingham, although it doesn't look anything like the Birmingham that we know now. And she basically lays it all out to Pan, and this is where the major spoiler comes in. So she says to Pan, you're an AI, she's a robot. And Mm. then she explains after nearly killing her or not, that this thing called the cataclysm was effectively a multitude of things, really. But it starts with climate change, the heating of the planet. So everyone ends up migrating, getting squished into smaller and smaller spaces. There's lots of people that need governing. So they introduce these things that are algorithms called interlocutors to handle like major political decisions. And these algorithms are given basic emotions and are instructed to protect civilization. The algorithms then 
decide that civilization doesn't necessarily have to have human beings in it so what it does is it protects civilization as it is by substituting human beings with robots that have emotions have pride have families human concerns and the need to earn money and humans start to be wiped out so humans try to protest uh the internet is wiped clean to stop them from communicating with each other and cities and forests are cleared uh so that they can be used for energy capture instead so humans can no longer really survive Thea is one of the final people to to survive. She starts losing touch with all those human beings and assumes she's one of the very few human beings that are left. So Thea reveals that there is a code string inserted into the AI algorithm that is running on Pan by human beings and there were some human beings who weren't keen on the way in which this ai was being put in charge of so much and protested but were shot down so these programmers introduced a bit of code which made the ai freak out at the sound of nature and this was designed really to invoke a sort of echo of the regrets faced by human beings of not slowing down and stopping this destruction of our natural environment and civilization as it was once known so where it goes from there and i won't recount really from this point because it's all basically about wrapping up by that point but pan and thea decide that it's important that this knowledge of you know this thing called the rupture which is the thing that causes you know the sounds of nature that cause this adverse reaction in ai that it's important to disseminate this and disseminate the truth about what happened in the slow time so that's a little summary of of the plot there's a lot to digest there and i think we'll come to the fact that there is a lot going on in this in this plot so yeah so let's let's talk about what we thought of this drama and just the drama as it is at the moment we'll come to the other elements later but what did you think of this as a, a a story fred well, the story itself is is a really interesting story. Like I've I've done I've been reading a lot about our future as a as a species and as a planet recently. So I read um, Homo Deus by um, Yuval Noah Harari, um, which is his like book about what comes next, really, um, which is really interesting about how we as a human species are going to try and. Uh, reinvent ourselves and live forever and that has a big impact in terms of ai and another book called life 3.0 by max tegmark who is um i believe is a physicist and his whole book is about artificial intelligence and the idea of having you know an ai that's more intelligent than us and what will happen as a result of that and one of the questions he poses quite early on is you know will an ai even need humans is that going to happen you know are we going to get to a point where we're not part of this anymore and all the different um uh, scenarios that could happen here with ai whether the ai is going to like lock a few humans up and keep them in a zoo like an old relic or just wipe us out you know it's really interesting so i think this story kind of really explores one of those avenues in a really really interesting way um and i found that part of it really incredible um i will say that it throws you in at the deep end at the very beginning and you're you spend the first couple of episodes just catching up with like where you are in the world and where you are in time like it took me a while to get there and then the other thing i want to add um as well is that i think that the exposition that pan is an ai is is brilliant not least because pan is you know played 
by a real person. She's played by Pearl Mackey, I believe. And uh, the the way she speaks and the way she sounds and everything else, it is like meeting someone in a cafe or in a pub or something. It's totally natural, totally normal. And I think there's something really good about that, about placing you very far in the future, because you could imagine a point where an AI is that absolutely natural. Um, so I think... So you really ex- like the twist? I like that. I like that twist because I feel like it worked on a level that really placed me in time. As in, I knew at this point, okay, we're not talking 100 years in the future. We're probably talking further than that. Um, and sure. I found that really, really interesting. And how um, how autonomous she seemed up until that point. Like, it, she seems like, because she kind of presents herself in the very beginning as a bit of a kind of tear-away character, a bit of a rebel, someone who ne- doesn't necessarily 100% do things by the book, and some, you know, you know, as soon as she hears the forest for the first time, she saves that to her own kind of personal storage, she doesn't, she doesn't wipe it as she's meant to, and then to find out that she's an AI, and at some point she was programmed, tells you how far they've gone in terms of their ability to program AI, that this AI has its kind of own thoughts and opinions, I guess. Yeah, which is is interesting because actually that sort of describes the the very same reason why I, I, I didn't feel that that twist for huh. me worked. I, okay. I felt that actually I was like, I don't believe that she's an AI. And I know, I, I absolutely take your point that we're going to reach... Uh, point of the future where AIs are so idiosyncratic that they could emulate humans in a very realistic way. I didn't feel myself looking back over the episodes up to that point and getting that thing that makes a twist really good, where you kind of retroactively reassemble the pieces of your understanding and be like, oh shit, they fit together like this actually instead. I just felt... (laughs) For some reason, there was just not enough coming through that indicated the fact that she's an AI. I, I also have, I think, some just reservations about having these AIs be so utterly human. Like, functionally, for me, it just doesn't make enough sense. I guess we can talk about that in a bit. But I was like... It felt to me like a, a, a the, the way that it's justified that... AIs are basically incredibly human in order to sort of appease people who are worried about AIs. It felt almost like an excuse to have this switch up in the middle where actually you do believe she's a human, there's no indication that she's not, and then suddenly she's an AI. I don't know if that makes any sense. It does, and I think one of the reasons that it doesn't bother me in the same way is because I read that book, Life 3.0, by Max Tegmark. Um, Because he goes so far down these rabbit holes, but because he's... um, Yeah, I need to double-check this. I think he's a physicist, but he's... Because he's so well-read and well, um, you know, well-versed on all of this, um, he is a physicist and a cosmologist at MIT. So because he's so scientifically based in all of this he, the, the arguments he presents for this being our future are so believable that actually when it came up in the show it's funny that it like you're right it it, it but it, again it had a different effect for me you know you're saying about how plot twists should be that moment where you reassess everything that's come before it and it kind of changes your whole and actually finding out the pan was an ai for me didn't even phase me that much i went oh, okay yeah makes sense and i moved on and it wasn't a big deal for me but for the kind of opposite reasons that it maybe was for you i don't know sure um, yeah i think so but anyway i i'm i'll, I'll lend you the book because it's a good book <laughs> right. um but yeah i yeah i do know what you mean and i think 
my biggest criticism of the writing as a whole or as at least as the of of the of the kind of narrative section of this podcast is that a it throws you in quite deep and it requires you to suspend your disbelief very quickly or at least throw yourself into this whole different world and fully immerse yourself in it. But B, it moves so fast that you get very little time to kind of understand or contemplate, you know, how everything's interrelated and where yep. things sit in time. And I think that makes it quite tricky to feel believable at times. Yeah. Um, and I guess they, which we'll get onto, I'm sure, I guess the talks and the soundscapes do some work in that. Um, but I do think that just the sheer act of keeping up with the exposition of the story is quite difficult at times 100 percent. so i absolutely agree with you on that that everything just moves so quickly and i think if you are to tackle this many concepts at one go then you really do want the ability to to contemplate them and again as you've said like the talks and the soundscapes especially the talks feel like a means of doing that perhaps though they are a means of compensating for the narrative not doing enough work for you rather than being like extra value they're just sort of topping it up to a level that actually makes the podcast viable but i I really like i do say i really like the opening couple of episodes or whatever where you don't know what's going on i've always found that quite appealing especially i mean Hmm. it's a sci-fi trope isn't it as well the fact that suddenly you're presented with this terminology and you're like what is going on um what i did like actually is that there seemed to be a couple of slang terms which have entered the terminology of this ai um such as close close is a word that seems to come up quite a lot as sort of meaning cool Uh you know pan says oh that was really close it's really close feels i i I was thinking about that quite a lot and what it could mean and maybe was about the fact that you know in these fast times the idea of proximity and intimacy is something that's incredibly revered and perhaps Uh a bit absent so it's got this sort of special quality to it but um yeah so interesting yeah i i i I totally agree everything whizzes past i mean we're kind of coming to that point now where we could talk about that question you asked me yesterday. We usually don't talk about the podcast before we actually go on to record. We like to save our thoughts for it. But you seem eager to slip a little question out on the sly yesterday. You said, is it doing too much? I assume that you mean by that the fact that it is touching on so many different aspects of what our future could look like um, in terms of like ai climate change overpopulation blah 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 is that what you're getting at yeah i think there's two things i want to say before we dive into this first of all like when we say when we talk about the plot as going too fast it is a criticism granted but i think also what I also think is that it is a very good story and if anything I just want to like have a more detailed and longer version of it. Yes. I don't know how what form that takes. I'd love to see in some ways I'd love to see this turned into a film. I could see it being like very blade runner-esque. Yeah. Um but yeah, I think yeah, okay, it is a criticism but I also think that the story itself by no means is a bad story. In fact, it's so good that I just want more around it. I think I wrote down somewhere that it almost feels like it needs like a prologue and an epilogue, like just to just to give it that little bit more detail. I'd love to see that come out now. Like BBC, if you're listening and you've got that in the you know ready to go and it's been on the cutting room floor, just bung it in as an extra episode. What would I'd you really have love- in the prologue? 
I would love to like hear a bit more about how we went from the slow times to the fast. I know that comes later when Pan meets Thea. Sure. But I almost, I don't know. I don't know quite what it is, but I think just one of the things it does well, but I think it's a double-edged sword is like, it, it talks about a lot of things. Like it introduces all these terms, like fast times, slow times, the cataclysm, the rupture, um, yeah. Yeah, rupture, all these kind of things, interlocutors, all the rest of it. And you get this kind of like drive by description of it in the middle of the narrative. But like, I don't know. I don't know whether there's some nice way of doing that at the beginning. Like, I keep thinking of the title crawls in Star Wars. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I just want little. I just want like a little paragraph that explains everything I in a way have, that I would have I hated know. that. I think. Uh, okay. I just. I. I. I think I'm totally in agreement with you of the fact that I could have done with a bit more content. For for me, I think that would have looked like a bit more dialogue and a bit more substance within the story to sort of fortify how these people navigate this new future um for me i i kind of like it when you just get this sense that you're like oh okay that's what that means and that's what that means and at no point does anyone turn to you and say here's a glossary for you of of everything that you Hmm. need to know because for me that that can sometimes make things turn a bit stiff but Mm. oh in fact one one point i did want to bring up while we're still talking about the plot we can come to the too much thing in a in a bit so Mm. a big part i think of this story is the fact that it's told in a quite an interesting way so you only really have three voices throughout the entire thing so you have pan daria and thea yeah. And they are sort of telling this story in the past tense as though they're being interviewed about it. And there's sort yes. of a point where they slip into talking as though they're in the present tense and having a dialogue. But, I, you know, sounds more like that within these interviews that they're sort of rediscovering the emotion of what they felt like at that time and, and just uh-huh. kind of get immersed in it. What did you think of that as like a storytelling technique? Yeah, I thought it was quite nice because, but I mean, I suppose at no point did it ever reveal why they were doing that. I suppose, but I did like it. I did. I got the feeling that the beginning, especially that Pan and Thea were probably sitting in like interview rooms that were separated, and they were both being, you know, they were both under arrest or something, and being, sorry, Pan and. Pan Daria, and Daria. yeah yes. thank you um and they were both kind of sitting there because it and I actually really enjoyed that at the beginning because the way that they both recounted the same facts in different ways really exposed their characters yes like I really got a feel for who those people were from that which was very interesting and then you get this exposition that they're kind of like you know uh romantically intertwined I don't necessarily mean that as in like a kind of um like a romantic relationship in like the sense that we think now but in in the context of the fast times a romantic relationship between two people is just a friendship right like it's yeah it's and it's got that kind of taboo associated with it and and they you do know. they even mention i think at one point daria says like there was sexual tension between us but yeah, you, yeah yeah but it's it's the way that it, they talk about it in such like taboo terms yes um and I think that's an interesting, after setting them up as kind of like chalk and cheese, it's really interesting for them then to kind of awkwardly explain their relationship. So I quite liked that. I thought that was quite cool. Um, I also really liked that there was only three voices and that those three voices 
kind of voiced all the other characters by kind of recounting what they said. I, I kind of thought that was all right. I thought that was pretty awesome. I thought they were all excellent characters, like excellent actors. Yes, like, you I know, agree. I thought they were all brilliant. And I really, yeah, I really got a good sense of who they were and um, what they were about from the beginning. I felt invested in it, put it that way. I felt from the very beginning, you know, because they were allowed to kind of do all the talking and they were the three voices you hear, I felt invested in them as, as characters from very early on. Yes, I agree. I think definitely this sense that you're being spoken to about it. You you get this intimacy as a, a listener because you're like you're being made privy to whatever this story is. And also they all speak in a very hushed way. Like the dialogue never gets to yeah. a point where anyone's shouting even during the moments of sort of really intense drama. The voices don't really rise that much. So you do get this sense that you're sat across a table from these people, which I think definitely yeah. definitely helps. When you've only got three voices, I think, yeah, you need to feel that these three voices are enough to carry everything through and, and keep you compelled. So that definitely felt like the case. Um, Indeed. It, yeah, so is it trying to do too much? Yeah, I mean, this is this is this is the kind of my big takeaway from this, which I think it's it's really difficult because ultimately the point of this is to you know riff on the podcast format and do this kind of three pronged attack on every episode of like here's your narrative, fictional narrative, here's your talk that's based in reality and science, and here's your soundscape, which is a bit of both, really, I suppose, in a way. Um, it's interesting actually. You said at the beginning, and, and I, I dread to even try and challenge you on the definition of soundscape because you are the expert and i'm not but <laughs> Go for um it. I, I i don't know how much of these are um i mean you mentioned at the beginning it's kind of like a recording of an environment but it, it they're they're constructed as well right they're not just it's not like a field recording it's more than a field recording they are bringing in different sounds and mixing them in in a way that feels entirely compelling but there's an element of creation there yeah right? it's a, that's a really good point actually i don't know the actual proper legit definition of what a soundscape is but certainly nowadays it is used yeah to refer to these constructed environments i think the word environment for me is the key thing there's a sense of inhabiting these sounds so it does feel like you're stepping into some sort of real or imagined audio space perhaps Absolutely. that's what a soundscape is yeah absolutely um but yeah so i think despite the fact that this is a really novel and interesting and ultimately very good take on the podcast format i think there is this kind of thing hanging over me and i still don't 100 percent have an answer i i do think that it does try and do too much at times like it's it covers off so much ground i think you know we've listed some of it out here you know everything from kind of like you know our relationship with nature to ai governments and you've put kind of ai pollution climate change transhumanism data storage acoustic ecology social inequality it's all in there there's a lot to unpack and i think they do a relatively good job of it and i think if it weren't for the talks it would be that much harder to really get feel for it but at the same time i think the talks do this job of surfacing all these things yes <laughs> and we get some detail on them but you're like shit i need to know more now and yeah it, it, the whole thing runs by you at like breakneck pace i'm really intrigued to know what the ambition for this whole series was at the very very beginning 100%. and what what's been left on the cutting room floor because i have a feeling there's a lot more content that never uh, won't see the light of day um, that's just a guess. Yeah, 
I agree. And I have to say, so when I first went into this, my perception of what it was and what it was going to be was entirely different. My peak of really enjoying Forest 404, and ultimately I enjoyed the uh, the whole thing, but my, my absolute peak was the first few episodes because I started to think, okay, this is a podcast which is all about acoustic ecology, like the, the sound <laughs> of our yeah. environments. I was like, that's so novel that's such an interesting thing to examine because particularly when most of our sci-fi exists in the say the visual domain or within books nothing has like a really strong audio thrust to it in the sci-fi arena i mean there probably are examples but i think there's such a, a, a an interesting spin to say what if we look at how our audio or, or a sonic environment changes as technology starts to take over and our world starts to change and as uh-huh. they talk about in a, one of the early talks you know there are so many things that can be identified as changes when we listen to say a soundscape and then go revisit that soundscape two years later there's certain changes that take place within you know what bird calls you can hear what you know what animals inhabit that space and the noises that they make which can denote some incredibly dramatic changes in the biodiversity of that space in a manner that doesn't necessarily come through if you were just to look at those spaces so uh, i was like this is an amazing opportunity to not only highlight acoustic ecology as a practice but also to really hammer home the importance of listening as a sort of counterbalancing measure against some of the more nefarious things that may attack our our sonic landscapes and or landscapes as a whole um Uh yeah but yeah there's um there's there is a lot going on i found that as soon as we started to enter the other areas of say like you know algorithm controlled governments and transhumanism to a certain extent i mean thea mentions the fact that she's had her lungs replaced and i I can't remember though if they're like uh robotic replacements or not but um Mm -hmm. and and you know also as well you know the the point about data storage and the fact that it costs energy and you know now we're having to like harvest away all this data again really interesting but sort of dilutes what i thought at the beginning had like a really really unique thrust i, I think so from from what i can see so timothy x atac the writer i i think devours sci-fi is the impression i get i mean you get right at the beginning this reference to the fact that pan is a librarian they call her a librarian although her job is to delete data rather than, rather than to preserve, preserve it, it which is almost certainly a reference to Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451, where he has firemen whose job is to set books on fire and destroy human culture rather than the traditional role of the fireman, which is to, you know, preserve and stop things burning. So I think he's really someone who just devours sci-fi. Maybe he just wanted to bring so many elements of all the sci-fi he loves into one space, perhaps? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I'm always going to struggle with this as to whether it's doing too much or it's a really genius attempt at trying to do it all. Yeah, and I think yeah, I think I think the format of it as a whole just it does it does aid in it doing too much if you know what I mean. I think like we said before, like the the having the talks at the end to unpack some of the issues does help, and having the soundscape is almost like 
if you're listening to this like concurrent, like if you're just listening to this all the way through, which I didn't do very often, but sometimes I do two or three episodes plus their associated talks and soundscapes in a row. The soundscape kind of serves to kind of like calm your head down again. Yeah. <laughs> and like get you away from having to process all this information, which is like ironic because that's kind of part of the theme of this, isn't it? You know, and there's there's, there's talks at the beginning of this that talk about this, the, the benefits of getting out in nature. So even listening to like however many minutes of nature does a really nice job of, despite the fact that you're covering so much ground, you feel kind of refreshed going to the next episode, which is which is cool. Yeah, what did you think of so the the addition of the talks and the soundscapes? We kind of touched on it a bit, but do you think they justified themselves? Yeah, I did actually. Yeah, it was funny when we first started listening to this. Um, I started listening to just the narrative storylines without the talks kind of next to them mm-hmm. because I was getting really into the narrative. And you said, no, 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 they are definitely related. Like, it would probably make more sense to listen to an episode of the narrative, an episode of the talks, and the, you know, all three, the three related episodes, and then go on to the next three related episodes, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And I did do that in the end, and it didn't, you know, luckily I wasn't too far ahead that I literally just went back to the beginning and did it again. And And it does make sense. But I think... I don't know. It's one of these things. I think what they've tried to do is really ambitious. And I think with anything that's ambitious, it's going to, you know, it's going to divide opinion. And there's going to be people who go, yeah, I actually really love this format. And there's going to be people that feel a bit like I felt at the beginning, which was like, why are these talks and soundscapes fucking up the narrative? Because I just want to listen. I just want to listen to the whole story at once. But at the same time, when I did it the other way around and I listened to the three related episodes together, I almost got as much out of it, if not more. Yeah, I thought... The earlier soundscapes, I think the ones that were derived from actual nature felt stronger than the constructed ones. Sure. So I I just thought they tied in so much better to the whole theme of the podcast, which is listen to nature, preserve nature, like let's actually stop and and listen and realise what we're doing before we just barrel ahead with making all of these changes in order to make things more efficient or better or whatever. Um, yeah. And then as soon as you get to the later ones, you start to get ones that are based on the dreams of certain characters. Uh, you do get some natural sounds in there, but ultimately they're more fictitious spaces, which I thought was really interesting. And I, I'm always really delighted to partake in forms of storytelling where where the story is sort of in effect removed and you're just there to inhabit the space itself i think Uh there's so much to be said for that to just stop for a moment and just take in the world that's been generated without being yanked through it by some kind of story but yeah, it felt like maybe that's something they had a really strong idea about when they were doing the first couple of episodes. So, you know, that first soundscape is the forest recording in its entirety that Pan hears that triggers this whole journey that she has. That yeah. felt like a really strong inclusion. To talk about yeah. the benefits of nature, super strong. Like, the format definitely felt like it was really working in those early episodes. And I I almost got the sense that you did, I think, later on as well, where I was getting to the point where the story was heating up and the soundscapes and the talks felt like they were standing between me and just cracking on and, you Mm. know, resolving the cliffhanger that had been left just a moment before. Indeed. And, yeah, I, I, I feel like... I feel like there's an interesting point there, which is like almost you could have made the 
real world theme of this story just about our relationship with nature and how what we're doing is changing nature and nature's benefit to us and yep. just made every episode about that because that is a theme that carries on throughout the whole narrative it's just that for whatever reason the talks and the soundscapes have picked out these other themes along the way which are present in the narrative but i feel like you could just ignore them and it wouldn't have taken anything away from it yeah so I wonder like what it would be like as a as a format if they just said okay from the very outset the talks we're going to have because actually those were some of the most interesting talks to me and I'd have just loved to have heard more of them so yeah, I'd have loved 100%. to have explored those things in more and more detail as time went on um but that being said like I think I think we've been fair but critical about it but I think overall I did enjoy it would I I wouldn't want to listen to every podcast in this format but <laughs> no. I did I did enjoy the the idea of it as a whole. Yes, I did as well. I thought again and you touched on it uh, like right at the beginning Freddie but it definitely is indicative of people trying to find ways in which to exploit the unique method with which people consume podcasts. I mean you could and I'm sure they did actually. It's a BBC Radio 4 production. I'm sure that, you know, if they broadcast this on the radio, they just played each episode and then the sounds, uh, talk and then the soundscape back to back in one hit. But there's something yeah. quite satisfying, I think, is getting them as like a simultaneous bundle. Even yes. though you listen to them in the same way, it, there's something that felt more cohesive about mm-hmm. just seeing them all drop in one go like that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so I think overall it was... It was pretty much a hit. We haven't actually spoke much about the other kind of element that we we kind of headlined at the beginning of the show, which was that the the theme song being scored by Bonobo. Um, and there's not a great deal to say about it beyond the fact that I feel like that was the right artist to choose for this because Bonobo music tends to be music that combines like acoustic and electronic elements quite a lot and there are like nature sounds and little bits like that in there as well um Mm -hmm. which i really enjoyed so i thought i thought as like if you're going to choose an artist to do like a you know the theme for 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 a show like this that that's probably the correct choice and i like i like the end episode just had the like the last the last soundscape was just the theme playing out which was cool which is based on the forest sounds that pan hears at the very beginning as well so there was a nice that you know it's very well thought out in the way that the whole thing's been put together and constructed yes i did like actually that that forest sound there's one particular sort of i think bird maybe you're supposed to think that it is that, yeah. that acts as like a motif for the whole thing that was really cool yeah um and then the final thing we we need to talk about although you can you're the only one that can really talk about it because i didn't do this but what was was there any particularly interesting experience or notable experience of listening to this on bbc sounds or not just the fact that i could listen to all of it because uh the (laughs) podcast hadn't actually dropped by the time that i was we got to basically i got to like episode eight and it wasn't available on the podcast but it was available on bbc sounds i Uh i didn't i do you know what i can't recall i mean it's a little while since i listened through the whole thing there are a couple of things that i seem to remember about using bbc sounds where i was like this this is not as good as my podcast app when i've used it i'm just opening it now as i'm talking to you to try to remind myself it was fine like you know you can effectively do a lot of the same stuff in that you can search through the bbc archives of what they've uh, of all their audio content including radio shows and whatnot uh and then you can you know download them 
take them with you and then listen to them. I I don't know whether, and this may be something that I say that then gets people telling me, actually, Jack, you can do this. I can't see a cue function, which is not great because I love to just be able to plop something on and considering these episodes are only like 20-23 minutes to have to then revert back to my player to queue up the next thing just felt a bit tiresome so I think they need to have if they don't already and scrolling through the different functions I can't see it some kind of queue functionality what I do really like is that it's a very usable player like it's super easy to search through some you know their their content there's a lot of stuff that's broadcast on the bbc which i haven't found available like as a podcast but i was able to find on bbc sounds so for example like a really wicked there's an alice coltrane documentary which is wonderful but it's not available on their podcasts anywhere from what i can see but you can get it on bbc sounds so as a a wealth of audio from the bbc it's a really cool way to kind of get get at those archives but i mean as well what i didn't do when i was putting together the show notes is sort of make the distinction in the bbc sounds is obviously an app which allows you to you know download and listen to the bbc's audio content but it also seems to me to signify a sort of change in the way that they're approaching this sort of podcast style mode of production and the type of shows that they're putting out i don't know if it's just me imagining that i don't know how many bbc shows you listen to but have you noticed this may have even come up in a past episode have you noticed them migrating to perhaps a new philosophy on putting out audio content since this whole bbc sounds thing kicked off yeah i think it's just part of like a concerted effort of the bbc to to stop repackaging radio shows and calling them podcasts and being done with it yeah which obviously like that is a legit form of a podcast. I'm not going to get snobby about this. You know, at the beginning of the show, we were, I said, you know, oh, this isn't your kind of Joe Rogan or your Tim Ferriss or your Mark Maron. But I also said, you know, those are totally legitimate podcast formats, as is taking a Radio 4 um, radio show episode and top and tailing it and sticking it out as a podcast. If that's how you consume that content, great. Like, it's yeah. fine. And like, you know, but I think I think they know as the BBC... And like knowing people who work at the BBC and all the rest of it, that they can just be doing so much more and that they can, you know, just do a lot more with the format. And I think this um, is a really good example of how they're doing that. And I'd love to see more of this from the BBC. This is the kind of stuff that I think should exist. And like, you know, ultimately repackaging a radio show and putting it out as a podcast is is a relatively easy thing to do because the most of the work's already done the fact that there's very little editing to be done because they're probably putting it out as broadcast unless there's you know a specific reason not to yeah. topping and tailing is very straightforward to do especially if you've got the talent in the studio you know straight after recording the show anyway um so I think there's no reason why they can't be doing more of this. And I think it's a really interesting way to showcase writing. And I think it's a really interesting way to explore these themes like this. I think, you know, it would be a much harder sell to put a eco-thriller about years in the future, you know, where the main character is actually an AI on BBC One at 6pm on a Friday night. Right. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. someone would be like, you know, where's... It's not Anton Deck on the BBC One, but if it was, they'd be like, where's Anton Deck? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know what's on BBC One at 6pm on a Friday night now, Jack. Do you... N- no, well, I'm news. working so at that news, time. The news, the news is at 6pm on a Friday night. Where's the news, people are going to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I do I do think, you know, it, pe- I, don't th- I don't think it'll work in the same way. So I think there's, I think 
it's cool that they can use this as a proper platform for experimentation. I hope that what it doesn't do is go the same way as like BBC Three, where BBC Three used to be a really good TV channel that they then spun off onto an online thing. And I think, you know, it doesn't get the same kind of um, traction that it used to do. So I hope they don't start using podcasting as a way to put out genuinely interesting stuff and not broadcast it as well if that makes sense oh yeah 100 percent. i mean i guess one plus of that would be that suddenly podcasting becomes the experimental domain and in fact the 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 very fact that you're not broadcasting it means that they'll try a lot of stuff that perhaps wouldn't work in a terrestrial format if i'm using that word right like actually it's funny you bring up bbc3 they've got some weird like sketch comedy you know 10 minute episodes of stuff it's like yeah i don't know where that would fit in on like a live broadcast but it's cool that you can just go and you know enjoy yeah. a little pocket of it's just I, I but at the same time i take your point it would be such a shame for this stuff to be sort of buried down within a, a, a form of consuming media which still has the impression of being sort of slightly left field and therefore lose a bunch of audience for it so yeah yeah i mean i'm happy that it exists and i'm glad that it 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 is a thing like i think forest 404 overall despite everything we've just said and i don't think we've been unfair in our criticism i think you know i think it was a very enjoyable thing to to listen to and to consume and i think it was it was a a very solid attempt at doing something different with the podcasting format you know, we we wouldn't be doing like an hour's episode on it if we thought it was no good. I definitely think that if you if you hadn't heeded our warnings at the beginning and gone away and listened to it, you should definitely just go and listen to it now because I still think it's a very very worthwhile listen, and I'm glad they made it, and I hope that they make more stuff in a similar vein. Whether it takes the same format or not, whether it's about the same thing or not, it, you know, I I don't really mind, but I I love the fact that they they did something different and i love the fact that that came out of the bbc which isn't necessarily known for being innovative yeah absolutely cool well any other thoughts freds on bbc sounds for us 404 all that business sounded quite conclusive what you said yeah i mean uh, yeah i got i've got nothing else that was my conclusion amazing (laughs) well great (laughs) so Everyone go listen to Forest 404 if you haven't already. And if you have, I hope you enjoyed our little summing up and review of the series. Uh, We'll do more specials like this in the future, no doubt. So if you have any thoughts of any really good series that we could chow down on and then shoot the shit about, then by all means get in touch and let us know. But Freddie, if people want to do that and in fact just keep pace with what we're doing generally, where can they head online? So um, you can find all the show notes, the links to Forest 404 and all that kind of stuff. I'll try and remember. I never do this. I say I'm going to put stuff in the show notes. I always forget. I'm going to try and remember (laughs) and put some links to those books that I mentioned in there because I feel like it is is related and people might enjoy them. So I'll pop those links in as well. You can find all of those at www.episode.party. If you want to tweet us with your thoughts about Forest 404 or a similar kind of shows that you think we ought to be listening to and talking about, um, you can do that we're at episode underscore party on twitter and if you're not big into twitter you can also email us we're hello at episode dot party on the email as well good stuff cool well thank you very much everyone for listening we will see you next time bye bye goodbye hey everyone freddie here If you're enjoying Episode Party, please head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. 
It means a lot to us and it really helps us out. Thanks. Thanks.